Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. We're going to be here in uh, Philippians chapter number two. And uh, as we've been looking at here, if you're just joining with us, we've been going through the book of Philippians as far as uh, what Paul's been writing to the Philippian church, thanking them for a gift uh, that uh, they brought to him while he was uh, under house arrest, being chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, he's sharing with them about having unity. And he gave us this whole example about uh, humility that we saw in Christ as uh, Christ humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, as he said there in uh, Philippians chapter number two. And then he talked to us about uh, working out our salvation as what we looked at uh, last week there in uh, Philippians 2.12. And not so much the fact that we work for our salvation, but we work it out. God is at work in us and we are to be working those things out. Uh, God has deposited that rich treasure of salvation in us and it is up to us to continue to be adding to our faith and uh, be working those things out uh, in our salvation. And so today here, we come to a very interesting part of the text, um, and it's in, we're really just gonna look here at one verse, verse number 14. And uh, this verse here, I think it's very important because when we get the heart behind the verse of what uh, Paul is trying to say, it really makes us understand the entire context of this working out our salvation. And uh, the verse that we're gonna be uh, looking at here deals with complaining. Now, um, I want you to know that, that some of the things that I'm gonna say to you today are gonna be a little hard and difficult to, under, to, to bear, but I really wouldn't be a preacher of God's word if I did not preach to you the whole counsel of God's word and not just the things that we like to hear that make us feel good and happy all the time, okay? So um, the things that we're gonna talk about today about complaining, um, I think this is a sin that has uh, really uh, wreaked havoc uh, in our lives, and unfortunately it has uh, crept into churches as well. And uh, I claim uh, the promise of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and in training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so everything that I say to you today, it is out of a deep desire for you as a believer in Christ and as for us, the church here, uh, to be walking in truth, to allow the truth of God's word to be transforming us and changing us and uh, once we understand here why we shouldn't complain, uh, I think it'll really help us understand about God who is at work in us. So today, this is what I'd like for you to take away with you. Don't complain. Okay? Don't complain. Let's take a look at our text here. Philippians chapter two, verse number 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And so we need to understand that complaining is a sin, and it's a serious sin. 
It's a sin that God hates. Uh, in our text here, we, we have this command, and the command is do all things without grumbling or complaining, or don't complain. Don't murmur about it. Don't, don't bellyache about it. Don't complain. I want that to really sink in a little bit because in reality, if this is a command from God's word, which it is, uh, do all things without uh, grumbling or complaining or disputing, if, since this is a command, if we are complaining, then what are we doing? We're sinning. And we're not being obedient to God's word is what he says here, don't complain. Complaining, I, I believe, is uh, not just something that the world does, and believe me, the world has its fair share of it. Uh, you know, never in, our, never in our lifetime have we seen so many advancements in our world. I mean, you just think about everything that the world has to offer. I mean, we have options about everything. Have you ever gone to the grocery store, husbands, your wife sends you to the grocery store and says, I need you to get this, and you start looking, and there's aisles and aisles of just that product? Which one do you get, Right? I mean, we have so many things in life. I mean, just think about all the comforts that we have. We have carpet, we have padded seats, we have air conditioning, we have heat. We have doors that shut, windows that close. We have so much cars that we drive, heated seats. I mean, you name it, we got it. But yet we have so many people today in the world that are so, so discontent with all everything that's been given to them. And so complaining is, is something that, yeah, the world, that is kind of the world system, the world uh, attitude. But unfortunately, I think that this has really uh, crept in to the church as well. And you know, the church is full of its own complainers as well. I don't like this, I don't like that. He went too long, he did that, he did that. She said this, she said that. Complain, 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 complain. And it's a sin. How in the world could we possibly complain just because every little thing in life isn't exactly the way that we want it? It's a complain. I believe this complaining spirit is a result of the self-esteem, self-fulfillment garbage that's being propagated in the church today uh, because we have this idea that we need to uh, give everybody everything that they want and try to uh, give them and fulfill every whim and every desire. And so in doing so, we've left people uh, with this idea that it's all about them. And so then if they don't get what they want, then they complain. Uh, it's no longer about worshiping Christ, but about trying to uh, center everything around yourself. And so when we complain, uh, in reality, what we're doing is we're complaining against God, because all complaining is against God, whether you realize it or not. It's all about him, and it's against him. And so we're blaming him, because if we really believe what Scripture teaches, God is the one that orders everything in our lives. And so he allows certain things to happen in our lives for a reason, for a purpose. And when we complain, what we're doing is we're saying, I don't like what you are doing in my life. I don't like how you allow this situation to happen in my life. And so we complain 
about all of those types of things. You know, complaining is really nothing new. <laughs> In fact, we can trace it all the way back to the book of Genesis, even, even to the very first human being who was created. Who was that? Adam. And you know what Adam complained about? His wife. <laughs> Lord, it's that woman you gave me. It's her fault, right? Remember when, uh, when they had sinned and uh, God said, what's the deal here, Adam? What's going on? And he complained. Can you imagine? Here's Adam. I mean, did Adam choose Eve? No. He just woke up and he was married. <laughs> Can you imagine what that must have been like? Whoa. says, this woman you gave me, it's her fault. She's the one that's the problem. Complaint, complaint, complaint. Cain complained to God about God's work in his life. We find in uh, Genesis 4, 13 and 14. Moses complained to God for not doing what he wanted him to do uh, when he wanted him to do it in Exodus 5, and verse 23. Aaron and Miriam complained to God against Moses, his chosen leader, and their own brother in uh, Numbers chapter number 12. Jonah even complained to God about God saving the Ninevites, as he did in Jonah 4, 9, and 10. So it's important to know that uh, to complain against God is a sin. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 9, verse number 20. But who are you? O man, to answer back to God, will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Who in the world are we to answer back to God? Who? Who are you? Who are we to answer back to God? When he's the one that has molded us, he's shaped us, and he brings everything into our lives. Jude 16 says this about those who are apostates. He says, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. And he's talking about these people when they can't get what they want, their sinful desires want, he says, they grumble and they complain because they can't have what they want. Now let's really dig into this sin about what complaining really is. And I wanna see you why this sin makes us so ugly to God, why this sin is so ugly to God, why it's so grievous to God and why he hates and detests people who complain. Let's take a look here, a little road trip through the word of God. And I hope you brought your Bibles. Let's turn over to uh, the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number 13. And so let's start here in uh, Numbers 13. And I, I wanna show you something here. You remember uh, what here is going on is you have Joshua and Caleb and they're gonna go into the promised land. They're gonna lead the people into the promised land. And uh, what do they do? They, they send out spies to go into the promised land. They say, look, tell us what's going on. Tell us what, how everything's happening. And uh, you can kind of remember what happened. Let's uh, look at uh, verse number 30, Numbers uh, 1330. It says here, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But look at verse number 31. 
Then the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Which is nothing really but more than doubting who God is, doubting what God can do. And then look at verse number 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land though which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw it are of great heights. And look at this, and then they said this in verse 33. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them brought a bad report. They come back with this complaining. We won't be able to do it. We can't do it. There's no way. All those people, look at them. They're like giants and we're nothing but grasshoppers. Complain, 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 complain. Prophets of doom, that's all these people really are. And they're complaining against the fact that God has told them to do what? To go into the land. God said, I want you to do this. And instead of saying, yes, let's do it, what do they do? They complained about it. Now go over to uh, Numbers chapter number 14. Watch what happens here in verse number 36. And the man whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation what? Grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land. Notice what happened to these people in verse 37. The men who brought up a bad report of the land, what? Died by a plague before the Lord. You know what the Lord thinks of complainers? He kills them. That's exactly what he did here. These were God's chosen people and they complained. And what did God do? He killed them. He brought a plague upon them. That's the issue. These people complained against God. They complained against God, calling them to go into the land. And they complained because the odds were against them. And their disbelief in God, they complained against God. They said, we cannot do this. We're not gonna trust you. We cannot do this. And so God killed them with a plague. And you know, grumbling really spreads. It really does. When we complain in the, our discontent, it really does spread. You know, you think about it. When we begin to complain, you know what we're doing? We're trying to find a, a, a listening ear. Somebody would say, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And you know what complainers often hang around? Other complainers. And they complain, and they complain, and they complain. And uh, they're really just discontent. Their spirit spreads uh, to other people. How in the world did these people, God's chosen people, ever get like this? I mean, how in the world did they get to this place where God just kills them for their complaining? Well, let's take a look here. Uh, let's go back over here to uh, the book of Exodus. And let's see this uh, beginning of their complaining, what happens. Now, I want you to think about this. Here they are. Uh, they're in the land of Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. They're asking God to send a deliverer. Moses shows up on the scene and uh, Moses there, he shows up and he says, all right, Pharaoh, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh hardens his heart 
And time after time, God shows that these are his people and uh, they are to be let go through the plagues that comes that Moses does. And eventually, uh, Pharaoh lets them go. And uh, what ends up happening? Well, they come up to the, uh, uh, the Red Sea there. Uh, the children of Israel need to cross the Red Sea. Pharaoh's hot on their trail, running after them. And what does God do? God does a miraculous thing. He parts the waters. He provides for them. They get across the Red Sea. And so the children of Israel here, they're, they're in the wilderness. They just crossed the Red Sea. And take a look at Exodus chapter uh, 14, verse number 11. So here they are. They're coming up to this Red Sea. And here's what it is. Look at verse number 11. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Whoa, 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 time out. They've just been set free. And here they're, they're, they're right there before the Red Sea. If we read the text, it says that they're surrounded by mountains on either side. And guess who's behind them? Pharaoh and all of his army. They've seen God provide in miraculous ways already. And now what are they saying? Did you see it? Look at it again. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt? Complain, complain. Look what you've done to us, Moses. You've, you've taken us out of Egypt. We could have died in Egypt. Now we're going to die over here in the wilderness. Whoa. Complain, complain, complain. Look at chapter number 15, Exodus 15. They come through the Red Sea. They've been delivered. And no sooner that they've been delivered through the Red Sea, look what happens, verse number 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Look what he says. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people, what? Grumbled. Against Moses saying, what shall we drink? <laughs> this is not what I wanted. Complaint. And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it in the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made them for a statue and a rule and there he tested them. Look at verse number 27. Same attitude again. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So here they are, they come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, they see God provide for them, and three days, they start complaining, there's no water to drink. God gives them water. Then we find here, verse 27, it says, they come to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water. And 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Boy, they had a feast. They're sitting out there, they're enjoying it, they're loving it. And you'd think that they would be content with such provisions in their life. But look what happens, chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, in the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel, what? Grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Nothing is ever enough for these people. 
They're not content. They complain. Look at verse number three. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt? And we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Boy, complaint, complaint, complaints. God provides, God provides, God provides, and they're still saying, boy, it would have been better for us to just be back in Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had food. And now you brought us out here to die. Oh, complaints. What does he do? He gives them manna, sends them quail. Look at chapter 17 of Exodus. Look what happens here. Verses one and two, more complaining, more griping. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Redham, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Boy, I think Moses is at the end of his rope now. Can you imagine? He's had it. He's not just going, now, why are you quarreling with me? What seems to be the problem? No. I think he was pretty upset. Look what Moses does here, verse number four. So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Yikes. Great group of people, huh? Look at verses five and seven. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and taking your hand, the staff which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so it doesn't take very long for people to forget the provision of God. God provides, God provides, God provides, and they grumble, 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 grumble. And by the way, we do it the same way too. We complain, we complain. So there's nothing uh, really new there. Uh, just a lot of uh, complaining, complaining. Uh, let me look, let's look at another one here. Look, turn back over to uh, Numbers. Look what he says here in Numbers 11. Here we have, uh, it's time to go into the promised land. Numbers chapter 11, verse number one. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. You ought to really underline that. It says they complained in the hearing of the Lord. Now look what God does in all of this. Verse number three. So in the name of that place was called Tebra because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Nothing's changed, still complaining, still complaining. Look at verse number four. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this yucky manna. Yuck. I don't like that. Complaining. And what just happened? 
God's fire came down and burned. They just saw it. And what are they still doing? Complaining. In chapter 13, God sends a spy into the land. Bad report. Give this evil report. We can't do it. Look at chapter 14 of Numbers, verse 27. Look what it says there. How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. He says, say to them, this is God's telling Moses, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. God says, I'm going to kill the whole lot of you. He says, I've brought you to this land. I want you to go in. You brought up an evil report. You've grumbled and complained and complained and complained and complained. And he says, that's it. I'm done. He says, I'm going to kill all of you. And he says, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And that's exactly what happened. They wandered in the wilderness and their carcasses, a whole generation fell in the wilderness and died. Can you imagine? Here they are trudging through the wilderness. And by the way, from the time when they left Egypt, it was only a three-day journey to the promised land. And you know how long it took them? 40 years. And so here they are, they're marching through the wilderness. Oh, there goes another one. Oh, there goes another one. They died. That's it. God says, I'm going to kill all of you. Look at chapter number 16 in Numbers. Look what it says here. Verse number 41. But on the next day, what next day? Well, this is the day after uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the problem with Korah. There was an invading of the priesthood and God opened up the, the ground and swallowed all of them, okay? So here we are, next day. Look at verse number uh, 41 here. But on the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, get away from the midst of the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put fire on it from the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the affair of Korah. Boy, what a slaughter. Why? because of their complaining. God says, I'm not gonna put up with this anymore. It's done, it's over. And this complaining really doesn't end. Chapter 20, 21, more complaining. 
Psalm 106 really gives us a sad commentary on the whole situation, uh, verses uh, 25 through 26. It says, they murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness. And that's exactly what God did. So make no mistake about it. Complaining is a sin and it's a sin that God hates and he judges it. And uh, so when we look here at our text here in Philippians, do all things without what? Grumbling or disputing. And we're gonna bring all of this together in our context to really understand some of this. So let's take a look here. Why I shouldn't complain? Why I shouldn't complain? Other than the fact that it's a command by God, why shouldn't we complain, okay? Well, over in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, it tells us some interesting things about here of why we shouldn't complain. So look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and uh, look here with me in verse number five. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number five. It says here, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they, who's they? Children of Israel. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse number six, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drank and rose up and play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Verse number 10, here's the key, what is it? nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. You see, God is trying to teach us something. He says, I haven't changed. If you have this thinking that the God of the Old Testament is like this really mean, vindictive, you know, just terrible guy, but then over in the New Testament, you know, hey, everything's great and wonderful and you know, hey, eh, it's okay, everything's okay. No, the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And his, verse, his word still rings true. And he says, I hate complaining. Don't do it. All these things were given as an example to us to teach us something that we shouldn't complain. Because if God destroyed the people in the wilderness, he's saying, I hear in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, I have the same animosity against complaining still. I hate it and I don't wanna hear it, okay? God's very serious about the sin of complaining. Look at this, another reason why we shouldn't complain. Lamentations 3.39 says this, why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Who in the world are we to complain in view of our sins? You know what we deserve? Hell, that's it. So why are we complaining? That's all we deserve. 
It's only of the mercy of God and the righteousness of Christ that we are even able to be part of the family of God. And so why, what do we have to complain about? Nothing. Because all we deserve is hell. Who are you to complain in view of your sins? We have nothing to complain about. So now that we understand how horrible complaining is, let's put this understanding back here in our text here in Philippians chapter number two, okay? Now here, this is how it all fits together. Here it is, you ready? Grumbling and disputing reveal my attitude. Here's the verse again. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, okay? What is all things? What is all things that he's talking about? What is that? Well, that tells us about the previous verses that we looked at last week. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So that's what he's talking about here. Do all things, what things? The things that God is bringing into your life and the things that you are supposed to be working out in your life the salvation that you are working out. In other words, in all your Christian living and all that you do by the way of obeying God and all that God is working in you to will and to work of his good pleasure, be sure in all of that not to complain. Verse number 12 says, work out your salvation. But verse number 14 tells us the attitude in which to do it. So God is at work in my life. What does that look like? Hey, I lost my job. Should I complain about it? No, because this is what God is using in my life to bring about working that salvation in my life. Situation happens at work, family member, problems, whatever it may be, personal conflicts with people, whatever it is, be sure that you do not complain about it. May your attitude be right in everything that God is doing in your life. Don't complain about the circumstances in which he asks you to do it. Why is that? Well, because life isn't always gonna go the way that you thought it should. God's going to allow you to go through trials and testings and difficulties, not to make you gripe, but to help you pray, to teach you to trust, to teach you to be grateful and to be thankful for what you have. Look at these two words that Paul uses here. Look what he says, do all things without grumbling, okay? Grumbling is this idea of murmuring. It's, it, 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 you think of it coming from the belly, grumble. Right, grumble, an attitude. It's coming from inside, you're grumbling about it, okay? He says, don't grumble about it. Make sure you have the right attitude. It comes out of our emotions. It's an emotional rejection of your circumstances that comes through mumbling and grumbling, griping verbiage. Then look at this word, disputings. We get this word, uh, uh, dialogue, from the word disputings. We're having a dialogue. This is the actual, uh, we're now, what, what has started on the inside is now starting to come out in what we're saying. And remember, all of it's directed towards God. Okay, you might say, well, I don't say to God, God, why did you do this? No, but because of your attitude, because, of, because since God is the one directing everything in your life, that is who you're directing it to. It's towards God. 
And so we're grumbling and then we begin to have this dialogue, a, a question, a criticism. And so we have this dialogue that we have. And so the complaint starts from the emotional side and then it starts to come out uh, in actually what we say. We begin to argue. And so Paul is saying, look, in working out your salvation, have the right attitude. Don't complain. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that everything is not right. Everything is not just the way that you like it. It's broken, it's fallen. And so we shouldn't complain. The circumstances aren't always gonna be perfect and to our liking. It's not gonna be an idealistic world. So you work out your salvation and in all the things that you do and in all the circumstances you find yourself in, don't ever complain because God hates that and he has judged it severely as an example to you of how he feels about it. James chapter five, verse number nine says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Think about that. Do not grumble against one another because the judge is standing against, at the door. I can remember several times growing up that mom and dad would tell us to do something and boy, we didn't like it. We would go to our bedroom and what would we do? And guess who was standing at the door? That didn't turn out too good. You need an attitude adjustment? That's the idea here. God says he's the one standing at the door and he's listening to you complain and murmur and grumble and gripe about everything that's going on in your life. He doesn't like it. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Don't complain against other people either. Don't complain about what's happening. Don't complain against others. So the command here is pretty simple. Do all things without complaining or grumbling or disputing. That's the teaching. That's the main point. And we're gonna really pick this up here in verse number 15 of what this will actually allow us to do in verse 15. And uh, it'll be help helpful. Now, I really wanna encourage you and I really want you to strive really, really hard at this, okay? I know it's hard because I'm just as guilty, all right? Try, try, try your hardest to not complain today. I know that, that for some of you, that's a pastime. You sit around and that's all you do is complain and gripe about things, okay? But try your hardest to not complain. When you go to lunch today, you go home, you get in your car, don't complain. For some of you, you're gonna to start to realize that that's a way of life and that's sad, okay? Try not to complain, just try, okay? Let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.